Okay, uh, a big welcome to the Echoes Big Interview. It's uh, episode two. Thanks very much for your, your listens and your comments on episode one with Jan Mulvey. We certainly enjoyed it. Jan enjoyed it. And I think, judging by the feedback we've had, Neil, everyone else seems to enjoy it as well. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm Neil Jones. I'm here with Neil Meller. And I'm delighted to say that having had a former Liverpool player in episode one, we've now got a current Liverpool player. We're with Simon Mignolet. Um, thanks very much for joining us, Simon. And we're going to talk about your career today. Looking Great. forward to it. Yeah, exactly. Thanks, Neil. Uh, absolutely. Just um, just back off international duty then with with Belgium and back into the, the rigors of the Premier League then. Yeah, exactly. It was nice to go away with Belgium. Uh, played uh, one friendly uh, away to Holland, which is a big derby. So it was always exciting. And then we had a really good result against Estonia at home, um, which puts us top in our group uh, for a qualifying campaign for Russia uh, next year so uh, if we can continue the way we, we started the four games it was a good end to, to 2016 with the national team. But plenty to talk about about Belgium, Liverpool, you, uh, how you moved to the Premier League but wanted to start with the early years, Simon Mignolet growing up as a youngster, how was that and what was the area you grew up in? Yeah exactly, back in Belgium. Um, in fact, in my hometown, always like now, last week when I went back, it's uh, my part of the world still. You know, you always like to go back there. And loads of memories. I started when I was uh, seven uh, in my local club, my town. I grew up. My brother was playing there, so it was only logical that um, I, I joined them. Um, not many people know, but I, I started as an outfield player mm-hmm. uh, till I was fourteen. Um, so yeah, I started young, seven years, uh, and then I got scouted for a few uh, other clubs. Uh, and when I was uh, 12 years old, 11, 12 years old, I went to the local academy, which was the first team, uh, um, division uh, team where I eventually started my what? professional career. Was it always football and interest, or always the other sports growing up that you liked? No, mainly football. Back in Belgium, there are two sports who are... Uh, biggest in the country which is football obviously and then cycling um, but my dad always used to love football he always took us to the games of the team uh, we supported uh, and um, so there was never any doubt in my mind to uh, willing or wanting to become a professional football player. How big an influence was your dad at that time because you mentioned that? Yeah not only, not only my dad uh, my brother obviously mm-hmm. uh, who was uh, four years older than me um, always played football and then I've got uh, I had two uncles who, uh, who played as well and so I went to watch those games and what level were they? yeah no, it was just uh, amateur level okay. really but um, back in Belgium and even those kind of games are, are very intense and quite a lot of crowd goes to watch it so um, yeah um, it was only logical in the family it was uh, mainly football although my grandfather used to be a cyclist Okay. What, what type of midfielder then were you? What type of player were you? A sort of goal scorer midfielder? Or were you? Uh, well, yeah, I went up and down the pitch. I had a bit of legs, um, so that was my strength. Obviously, I'm tall, so I could win a duel. But when I was getting older, um, around 12, 13 years, when I, I grew very quickly, so therefore uh, I had some problems with uh, my uh, flexibility and stuff. Uh, and therefore, uh, I guess uh, I got released when I was uh, 15 years old by, by the academy. I started as a, as a attacking midfield player, going down the line, even at the end as a centre-half. 
Um, now I'm a goalkeeper, so there's no way back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's interesting is obviously you had the disappointment of being released. How big a disappointment? Yeah, it was, it was really tough, especially as being so young, 15 years old. You have to see it as you go to school. Um, everybody looks up to the fact that you play uh, at the academy as a professional, uh, well, in a professional academy. Um, and it's a big thing as a young kid. Uh, and when they release you, it's a hard knock. Um, so it was tough. My dad, who used to be a goalie, said, well, I see that you got the talent to become a goalkeeper. Why don't you try it? Um, I then went for one uh, test to a, a second division club as an outfield player. Mm -hmm. That didn't work out either. So I said to myself, look, this is, this is going to be a decision I have to make. And, uh, it was the best decision uh, I could ever make to, to become a goalkeeper. So um, that was a good thing. I only played there for uh, nine, nine months in a local team at a very, uh, uh, very local and amateur level. But that, after that, my, my old team came back and said, oh, you've got talent, we want you back as a keeper now. Um, because they only released me nine months uh, before, uh, and it was so tough to take, I had to think twice because um, it is demanding. You know, mm -hmm. you go to school, but you are training four or five times a week. Mm -hmm. um, knowing that what can happen, uh, it wasn't easy mentally, but then deep in, inside, you still wanted to become a professional football player and then you just make a decision, look, I go for it. And, Luckily, it worked out. You've been released nine months early. You turned back at that team. You must have a lot of the, the similar teammates. Yeah, it was <laughs> what were no, they? What they, were they saying? They, 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 it was. It was basically the same team. Maybe two or three changes, but for the rest, I knew everybody still. Uh, they were still my friends uh, and teammates from before. Uh, and, and it's obviously strange to come back then as a keeper, but. Um, yeah, they accepted it really, really quickly because they saw that I had the talent for it. I came back, I was 16 years old, and when I was uh, 17 and a half, I was playing for the first team. So everything went really quick. Mm -hmm. is, is it true you, you, your father acquires a sort of a, a training field for you? Yeah. And uni brothers to practice? Yeah, well, well, where we live in Belgium, it's different to England. It's like lots of farmland yeah. and uh, big spaces, and next to our house, uh, it happened to be that there was a, an empty space of land. Um, from a farmer and my, my dad asked him, look, if we can maintain the land, uh, can we use it to, to play footy on? Uh, and uh, yeah, he, he was happy with that. Uh, we, we found uh, an old goal um, with an old team, which got uh, bankrupt. We put it on there and yeah, the, the time we played on there was uh, very, very much so. And now it happens to be my, my, my brother uh, bought the land and he's built his house on it. So, so your dad was your first goalkeeper coach? Yeah, <laughs> sort of, together with my brother because he was four years older and he was shooting on, on yeah. target and, and obviously he, he was a lot stronger at that mm -hmm. time than me. So your dad's sort of, he's pushed you in the direction of being a goalkeeper. What were the what were the attributes then that he would he seen in you to be to become a goalkeeper? Obviously your physical... Yeah, exactly. He saw that I was uh, tall, but in the same time he saw that I was quick. Um, and then, uh, well, how do you say these kind of things? He, he knows what a goal he needs to be and, and, and what kind of attributes he needs. And then still, from that age up to where I am now, there's so much more you need to learn and, uh, and, and work on. And, and obviously he now, even being, well, he was a goalie. For him, it's sometimes even difficult to judge things where I see diff things differently now because we moved on so far. Uh, what were the big differences? Because you've gone from a midfielder to... 
to see to getting up and down the pitch to being the goalkeeper where you can see the full pitch, but it's a big difference, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. The, the main thing in the beginning was that you wanted to be involved, and mm -hmm. um, because that's what you want, what you are as a midfield player. You want to be involved. You want to touch the ball, and being a goalie, you can't choose that. Um, so I love training. I love working hard constantly, uh, putting myself about. But if you then were in a team, we, we we won twice the league. Actually, we had a good team, mm -hmm. but you didn't have much to do. Um, then it, it wasn't nice, but because we played that many games, sometimes I played uh, on the Saturday, and then I played uh, or was on the bench with the first team, and Monday we played with the reserves. So that was nice as well. So it was, I kept busy more than enough. What was your your culture like then at, at, at your first club in terms of in terms of the the, the developments they made? Yeah, well, when I, when I was fifteen, the local club uh, had a really good goalie coach. Um, I have to say that he learned me a lot, uh, worked me very hard. And then when I got back to uh, Central, uh, I had loads of coaches where I still keep in touch with now. Um, I was young, I was uh, eager to learn, so they saw that I had the talent, so they wanted to work with me as well. Um, so yeah, I still got loads of uh, connections there and I speak still um, to them on the Basis. You mentioned that the club there, I might pronounce it differently, St. Truiden. Yeah. Um, but you featured very young in their first team. How much, how beneficial was that for your development as a goalkeeper to be playing in the first team at such, such a young yeah, age? Yeah, they did it in Belgium quite a lot, and I think that's why we got such a good generation at this time. Because of the financial situation, they needed to give youth players the chance to play, mm -hmm. uh, and they still do that now. Um, and if you were a goalkeeper and you can become under pressure and play against adults and, and strong physical men at the age of 18, 19, uh, you learn a lot in a short space of time because you have to. Mm -hmm. uh, because our crowd um, still now is between 8 and 12,000. Um, so it is demanding because uh, it's the main thing, you know, I was a supporter as a, as a young kid from seven years old for my, for my club. Mm -hmm. And then being the first choice keeper at 19 years old, knowing that you walked through the city and you made an error or uh, you lost a game, people would come and ask you what happened. And, and that's something you have to learn. Not many kids have that chance to learn that because it's easy playing academy football, but the mental side of being a goalkeeper, when you're making a mistake, uh, it's not only what you think about it, it's about what anybody else thinks about it and the pressure that comes with it. Did and you if you learn that at such a young age, it, it makes you so much stronger. Did, was the coach, maybe senior players in that team when you were a young boy, helpful and, and understanding as a young player? Yeah, exactly, of course, um, because they knew as well that I still uh, that I had the talent, but if you're young, there's obviously going to be moments where you're going to make mistakes and you, you have to cope with it. But the players there, and I still speak to them now, uh, were very helpful and uh, they gave me the, the sort of confidence and uh, and words that you needed at, at those certain moments. You strike me as someone who's quite analytical and quite quite thoughtful about football. When did you start looking at other goalkeepers and, and, and looking at what they were doing? Because obviously you come as a midfield player, I imagine you were looking at midfielders and forwards. Yeah, exactly. People ask me that loads of times. When you were young, who were the players you looked up to? And it was more Zinedine Zidane or Mario Roberto <laughs> rather than uh, any goalkeeper at that time. Um, but then when you get older, um, when I was um, 15, 16 years old, match of the day uh, on a Sunday morning was always on. 
Um, so I looked up to those those keepers, but then you had already uh, keepers like Van der Sar, uh, yeah. Toldo, especially in the, uh, the, the Italian league, I looked up to as well. You had the Euros in Belgium as well. Ex- ex- exactly, exactly. And we had some good goalies back in Belgium as well. Yeah. Um, Michel Verdom at that time was, was really good, still, still knowing me, so yeah. I'm not sure many fans would know, but you actually scored a goal. Am I right in thinking in those early days as a goalkeeper? Talk yeah, well, we, we won the league in the second tier and there was a moment where we were up 4-1 or something away from home and the fans started shouting my name for the penalty. <laughs> and the, um, um, the normal penalty taker looked at me and said, well, do you want to take it? I said, well, if you want me to, there's not a problem. So uh, I missed the penalty, but I scored a rebound. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, and that way it wasn't the, the set piece. <laughs> you, you've got one for Liverpool as well, haven't you? The yeah, shootout as exactly. well, right? Butter, yeah, so keep continuing the theme. <laughs> <laughs> so, and now a fully placed member of the Goalkeepers' Union. Yeah. Can you explain what a Goalkeepers' Union is? Uh, well, uh, uh, what I think is, is that um, we're in a position where we're in a team sport, but still there's some sort of individual. And uh, we're... Um, looking to ourselves and being dependable on ourselves uh, even whilst we're in a team you know when you're an outfield player and you make a mistake um, other teammates can make up for it mm-hmm. whilst when you're a, a keeper um, you well you're dependable on yourself and on your own performances um, it's like some sort of a tennis player they lose the game when they don't play well um, but an outfield player when they don't play well, we can still win the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a bit different to a keeper. And that's why you can relate to other keepers a bit better um, than, for example, an outfield player can relate to uh, a goal for us. Do you feel that with the, with the media sometimes? I mean, you, you say you watch match of the day there. Do you feel you don't get many specialist goalkeeper analysts on match of the day or Sky things like that? You get outfield players who are, who are looking at goalkeepers' mistakes. Do you think that the, the level of sort of scrutiny is a bit different for goalkeepers? Yeah, that's probably that? because they think goalies are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. They can't uh, trust them. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's always nicer to hear comments or ideas from goalies on goalies. That's, uh, that's uh, obvious. Uh, uh, if you've been in that position yourself, then you know a lot more of what it is to play in that position rather than uh, another position on the field. How's the position changed? Because when we were growing up, certainly educated at Liverpool, we were told that defenders were risk-free footballers, whereas now it's almost like we're seeing players almost take too much time on the ball. How's it changed for you as a goalkeeper at yeah, that time? Yeah, massively, of course. Huh? And I think that will still be the case for the future. Uh, things are developing constantly. Uh, it also depends what kind of team you play for and what kind of style uh, the manager wants you to play. Um, I think uh, these days now uh, it, it's obvious that keepers need to play more out uh, from the back and start the attack up because that's the idea behind it. It's not about uh, showing that you can play out from the back or thinking oh we have to play through the field, but it's mm-hmm. about thinking about what's the best for the team and what kind of team you have. Uh, there's no point in hitting it long when you don't have any strikers who can deal with it. But if you have deal- strikers who can deal with it, or when you get a direct style, um, then yeah, you still need to be able to kick the ball long. So it all depends on the team you play for and the style of uh, the club you're playing for. Mm-hmm. What about in terms of the coaching that you receive? Because I'm guessing the drills that you do now at Melwood would be a lot different to when you first started out. It's a lot more sort of 
quick distribution and, and yeah, and but, the but on the other hand, on the other hand, uh, goalie uh, down the line still needs to save shots, so you need to stay on top of things. Uh, and yes, you work on different kind of uh, elements in your game, like you say, distribution. But in the end, you still need to make sure that you keep the ball out of the net. So therefore, you can't really leave that to one side because in the end, uh, the balls are going to pop there, fly faster. So um, it is a bit of a mixture, uh, and you have to have the total package. Um, to, to be able to play, especially in the Premier League, because it's not only uh, um, well, the distribution, but it's also the fact that strikers are there to score goals, and that's why you're there to stop them. Yeah. Um, another thing that strikes me with goalkeepers, and speaking to goalkeepers that I've, I've, I've come across, the, the relationship between the, the goalkeeper and the coach, the goalkeeping coach, seems to be very, very important, maybe more important than maybe an outfield player with their coaches, because it's more one-to-one. Have you found that throughout your career? Yeah, exactly. Like I, what I just said, I think a tennis player always plays at his best as well when he's got, he, he's got a good relationship with his yeah. coach. Um, same with us, you know, there, there has to be somebody where you can bounce things and go a bit more in depth to than, for example, your teammates. Because teammates can speak about football and how they think how the game's going. But if I speak to a teammate about how I played my game the day before, yeah. it doesn't make any sense because they don't really can look into that as much. So therefore, you need somebody with the um, the knowledge and the concept of, of being a keeper. I understand John Echterberg. I've spoken to people who say that he knows every goalkeeper from every league, sort of third division, German goalkeepers will tell you what, what footed he was and things like that. Is, can you give us an insight into the level of sort of analysis that you maybe have, not not necessarily just with John, but with goalkeeping coaches after a game? Yeah, well, but obviously John works really hard. Uh, he's constantly there, uh, looking into every little aspect of the game of uh, the keepers uh, at Melwood, but also abroad and in, in this complete football world, where we have such a big team of analysts uh, who work uh, very hard to give us the information going into every game analyzing our own game um, so if we want anything where we say look I want to have a look at this uh, can you get us some clips they do that immediately and then um, we we can see it we can speak through with him um, if it's needed we can go to John and then we make a, a bit of a meeting about it so uh, yeah um, I have to say now uh, that everything is really professional in, in that sense um, and the relationship with other goalkeepers as well, because and I, I, I know it's um, I, I can't imagine it to be a conflict or anything like that. But you, you are an individual. There's only one position. If you're an outfield player, the four midfielders, you maybe three of them can get into the team, but it, it's only one or the other. So, is that do you find that dynamic sort of is it different f- between goalkeepers or is there is it a genuine sort of goalkeepers union like you say? Well, yeah, um, in the end, you're still tra- training and working for yourself, and therefore, you have to make sure that you keep on top, top of things yourself. Like you say, there's only one keeper who can play. Um, an outfield player can play in different kind of positions. Uh, he will come into a game as a sub yeah. more easily when you're on the bench um, rather than a keeper. But uh, during the week, like I say, you have to make sure that you stay concentrated and on top of things. Uh, when you're not playing, and the same when you're playing, because uh, there's somebody there behind you pushing, knowing uh, that if you don't do your job, uh, you'll be ready to come in. And every little moment that can be something changeable, that's what it is in football, things change very quickly, and, uh, and therefore you need to stay ready. Is that, is that men- mentality aspect vital to, to yeah. be ready, should that chance come again? 
Yeah, exactly. That's uh, very, very important. Uh, you can't let rest on your laurels uh, because there's nobody who's going to help you out uh, at the moment. You're going to get that chance. That's what I said. Mm-hmm. That's different to being an outfield player. Uh, if you're not at your best level, you still can uh, get through a game or uh, uh, play a game without being noticeable. When you're uh, when you're uh, a goalie, uh, it will be picked up very, very, very big. You're obviously a very intelligent man, something that isn't often labelled with, with footballers. <laughs> um, but tell us about the degree, because you have a degree, don't you? Yeah, exactly. Um, when I was uh, in Belgium with my local team uh, and playing uh, when I was 19 years old, I was a good student when I was younger. I didn't like school, by the way, but I was a good student. And my mum and dad said, look, you need to go to university because if something happens uh, as a professional football player, an injury, or it doesn't work out, you how you plan. And you'd already yeah. had that, of course, as well. With, with at fifteen, you'd already even had the exactly, time. exactly, exactly. Um, and my 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 wife now, who was my girlfriend back at the time, went to university as well. And she she could help me going there uh, with a few courses and stuff like this. Um, so the first two years when I was still in Belgium, I did my degree easily. I went to training in the morning, and then afterwards, I I drove to the university to to attend a few classes, although I didn't really attend many. <laughs> um, and then uh, when I made my transfer to Sunderland, I did the last six courses in two years. So uh, I studied home myself, and when the season was off in May, I went back to do my uh, exams in June and May uh, in my time. What is the degree in? Is it political science? It is called political science, but that's just only the aspect. It's social science, basically, which is the, the wider uh, idea of the degree. Uh, but uh, I was specialised in, in political science. I've got to be honest, I'm not too fully fully sure of what that means. Can you, can you break that down a little bit? Are you going to be the, a prime minister one day? Because it well, says. Well, that's what, well, what the idea is behind it, you know. Um, if people want to go into politics, then they probably would learn this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's such a, uh, a broad concept of a degree that you can go into uh, different kind of elements like HR, for example, business management is in there. Okay. Um, so it, it is quite broad. It was never the idea to become or to go into politics, by the way. Uh, I chose that uh, degree because it was very theoretical and I could learn it from a distance. Mm-hmm. Um, I put some thought in that, look, I can't really attend many of the classes. I need something to do here while I can do it on my own uh, and learn the, um, the studies myself rather than being uh, in, in the classroom. Do you take an interest with world politics nowadays? Obviously, we're in yeah, I've, always been, I've always been interested in that uh, sort of stuff. Um, not only politics, but everything that happens in the world, basically, because um, I think there's more to life than only football um, or something that's on the TV, like a series. Uh, I want to see the world as something a bit more um, difficult or complex mm-hmm. than how it, uh, how you can think to it as a football player. Kind of thing. Masters then, if you, when you finish playing, is that, is that an option to go back and, and uh, study? That depends on my career, obviously, and what I want to do after that. Uh, I've got some sort of idea of what I wanted to do. There's other things I already started now, course, but yeah. uh, I don't really uh, w- want to say this or that. I want to keep my options open to see what will happen uh, 
and at the moment I'm focused on football. What got, sorry, what's got an image of uh, the Sunderland squad heading off to, uh, to Ibiza and, and, and Las Vegas and you're having to go back to, to do uh, another module in your course or an exam? That must have been sort of a, 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 a had a lot, show a lot of discipline for yeah, that. Yeah, but on the other side, my missus, like I said, was at the university herself as well and she uh, needed to do the exams also. So, um, and going back to Belgium for me is the best holiday anyway. Um, so that was, that was more than easy enough uh, and then we still had time to go uh, away uh, when, when we came. What about languages? Because you can you're fluent in a number of different languages, haven't you? Yeah, well, I can speak English. My mother' uh, native tongue is, is Dutch, uh, Flemish, obviously. Uh, speak fluently French, uh, German, and I'm picking up a bit of Spanish now as well with the with the boys around. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Translating that dressing room, then you must be quite useful for the new when the new signings turn up. Yeah, well, I, I try to do my best uh, when new boys come in and they need to ask uh, a few things then. I can help out basically, so uh, I can translate um, if needed. Is it quite common you growing up in Belgium to pick up English very quickly? Yeah, especially when you're uh, from the Dutch Flemish side, so the north north border. Mm -hmm. um, we see everything on the telly in English, and then we get Dutch subtitles. It's a lot harder when you're French speaking, for example, because they don't do that. They dub everything on the telly, therefore they struggle a bit more coming to England. Um, but yeah, we have known for being able to adapt ourselves sometimes a bit too much uh, because uh, we adapt to everything very quickly, um, which is not always a good thing. Um, but on the other hand, for me, it, it is really handy. I was going to say, you're, you're, you've got a bit of a, a British accent, I think. Yeah, that's, 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 the thing that's, that's what I say. Um, uh, even when I, for example, speak to John Ackerberg, who's got a Dutch tongue, mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to Changed my dialect already. Yeah. When I was at the northeast, I spoke a bit of Geordie and a bit yeah. of Macam. And when I came <laughs> to uh, uh, Liverpool, so now, I've, I've, got, I've got a bit of a, a Scouse accent already. So uh, we need to. We have, that's how it is now, basically. We spoke to Jan Mol. Yeah, yeah, say yeah. picked up a little bit of that Scouse accent. Yeah, when exactly. you go back home, if you speak in English to certain people, do they know it's perhaps a local? Bit of scouse in your no, mind. no, because they don't really understand the different kind of dialects. Okay. Um, like when I arrived in in England as well, um, at the beginning it's very tough to say, oh, he's from this area. He's from yeah. But my English is good as now that I know if I speak to somebody where he's coming from. And for a, yeah. a guy abroad from abroad, that's not easy. And you've had Jamie Carragher when you first went to Liverpool as well, so you couldn't, you couldn't fail to get it. Exactly, there are a few more in, in Melbourne as well, so <laughs> a tough accent. We spoke about your degree, the languages, what other stuff do you do to switch off from, from football? Well, I've, I've got a few business uh, things going on in Belgium as well. I only started my coffee shop last week. And I saw that, yeah. So, um, together with my brother uh, and my wife, um, I like to do those kind of stuff basically rather than just being relaxed and doing nothing you know I like to keep busy it's like I said as well the degree people will say oh but it will be hard to do that when you come back from training but I like to have something else to stay switched on and, and reflect on in a different way than coming home and only thinking about what had just happened in the training session or in the game um, I think that's better for me to uh, uh, to keep busy. Are you more likely to watch Sky News rather than Sky Sports News? <laughs> <laughs> uh, a bit of both to be honest, but I'll always keep uh, up to date with what things are, uh, are happening in, in both worlds really. Right, right, so you're absolutely fine in Belgium, going back to your career. 
you're doing really well as a young goalkeeper. There must have been a lot of interest from clubs from all over Europe, but it turns out that you choose Sunderland. Why? Yeah, well, uh, at the moment I was playing, I had three options basically. Uh, I could have gone to PSV, uh, Eindhoven in, in Holland, um, Udinese in Italy, and then Sunderland. Had three choices. PSV would have been the most easy one because um, it's an hour drive from my hometown. Mm -hmm. I was still doing university, so I could still uh, combine the two very easily. Um, Udinese was nice because you go to Italy and it's a yeah. sort of different kind of style, and then you had Sunderland. But the, I always said, and I, like I said, when I was younger, I was looking much of the day, Sunday morning. I didn't really want to let the chance go for playing in the Premier League because I was going there as a number two, Craig Gordon was mm -hmm. there and he only signed for big money uh, the year before and I said uh, I want to go and take this challenge uh, because uh, I never, I, I'm never going to regret it if I was going to not be able to play in the Premier League. PSV obviously if I was going to play well there, there was always a chance of the next step um, but you never know so I said if I have the chance here I'm going to grasp it. Uh, it wasn't easy because a different new world, different country, mm -hmm. away from home. I was always used to living with my parents. My food was brought to the table, <laughs> my clothes were washed, yeah, my yeah. mom and dad. And yeah, I, arrived, I arrived in Sunderland in the Northeast uh, from one day to the other. I had to drive a different kind of road, I uh, had to eat different food, I had to wash my own clothes. Um, so, But once you're thrown into the deep end, you have to make sure that you get out of it. So um, that was uh, how difficult was that? Because are you there on your own? Have you got your missus with you? No, no, I was on my own. She was still at university. So, uh, uh, but it was easy, you know. Like I said, uh, if you get thrown uh, um, thrown into the deep end, mm. you have to cope with it. You have to deal with it, and um, that made me so much stronger and, uh, and better for a little. Did no one at the club at Sunderland? I don't know send somebody around to help you in terms of cooking, that side of it? I didn't really want it to. I wanted to, to, to cope with it myself, uh, to learn it uh, the quickly, uh, quickly as possible. And I think that was the best way. But I have, I have to say, uh, we still keep in touch with them. Uh, I'm godfather to the, their children, together with my missus as well. We have uh, a couple there um, where we are very good friends with. And if there was a little issue or problem, um, we always, they could always help out. Paul Lewis Emmen was there, he was a Dutch fella, uh, very experienced, and he showed me around as well um, to help me out. Um, so, yeah. Nico Vassen? Yeah, well, uh, uh, Nico Vassen uh, used to be the goalkeeper for Birmingham together with Steve Bruce. Um, and Steve Bruce was obviously the manager mm -hmm. at the time. Um, so, um, the, the goalie coach, Nigel Spink, came over to watch me a few times uh, when I was playing. And, one game, the last game he, he came uh, to see, I kept a clean sheet against Shalawa away from home and it was one of the best games I ever played. So those kind of things have to happen in football as well. You have to be uh, at the right place at the right time and you have to be lucky for something like this to happen. What about the difference in training? Because you've gone from obviously a team in Belgium to now a Premier League side in Sunderland, how different was that? Yeah, the, the, um, the big difference was the, uh, the speed, uh, physicality. Uh, of the players you come across uh, and the power. Um, I, was I was young and I was used to playing against adults, but um, the strength and stamina of playing in the Premier League is, is a totally different picture to what it is in Belgium.
who would have been a natural lunch side then when you first the first training session you said Darren Bent was yeah Darren Bent, Bent was there uh, Paul Zenon like I said Steve Nobronk um, yeah. Anton Ferdinand uh, yeah. who well, can name a few there a lot was of a, pre- experienced Premier League players yeah there. exactly and, 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 and as a team like Sunderland very physical and strong obviously yeah. Cameron Jones was there did that help you settle in quickly because you knew the language now because I've been in changing rooms where players haven't learned the language and, and found it difficult to integrate but because you had the understanding of the language did yeah, that help you yeah, yeah absolutely uh, it made my integration so much easier um, and knowing that if there was an issue you could speak you could explain the situation rather than having to go through agents or translators to, to uh, explain what has happened well, what's Steve Bruce then in terms of him as a manager? What was he like to, to sort of? Yeah, he was a typical old school uh, uh, English manager. And uh, what 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 it was good for me to do was that uh, uh, I learned the style of play and I learned the culture of how it is in England uh, very quickly. And I speak with a really good goal coach um, who helped me settle and um, who learned me a lot in the first year. And then after that, it was. Uh, and Martin O'Neill together with uh, Seamus McDonough and uh, I still speak to Seamus now very frequently uh, yeah, I've still got the best relationship with him uh, I had the best times uh, in Sunderland uh, with them as well so uh, yeah it was, a, it was a nice time Very, uh, very similar to Liverpool the North East isn't it in terms of the fans and I'm sure wherever yeah. you're going in Sunderland you yeah, exactly. to supporters Absolutely the North East is, is uh, only football it's yeah. very important and um, it's a it's a big club, uh, a lot of fans, a lot of big stadium. So yeah, everybody's looking at it and very passionate about it, similar to to here in Liverpool. Uh, bad memory that I have to bring up, but you you had a bit of a, an introduction to English football with, with Emil Heskey. Um, it tells a little bit about that. It was a pretty pretty nasty injury you sustained. Yeah, exactly. It was the first injury, and so far probably the only bad injury I've got. Um, breaking my nose in my eye socket, um, which made me stronger afterwards again. Um, I had to come back uh, too early with, uh, with my mask. It was a, a funny story actually, because it was around Christmas when I had to come back. And uh, I went to uh, London to get the mask sort so I could train. It was in the beginning of training with the cricket helmet. Really? Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> just inside because I couldn't yeah. run because of the eye socket, yeah. because of the cracks. So, as um, yeah, absolutely very dangerous for my eyesight uh, not to get touched with the ball, for example. And then when I went to London to get my, uh, my mask, I came back, I trained three or four days. And um, it was New Year's Eve, basically, yeah. uh, when I was sitting at home with the family, because I wasn't in the squad, I wasn't ready to be in the squad yet. I suddenly get a phone call from the manager saying, uh, look, uh, our goalies just got ill yeah. and, and uh, you have to be there to sit on the bench. Okay, so... Uh, <laughs> Manchester City on New Year's it Day. It was Manchester, Manchester City on New Year's Day, so right, I, I drove to the hotel, it was very late uh, when I arrived there, I had to bike to eat before I went to bed and suddenly the manager and the goalie coach come and sit next to me and they ask me, uh, are you ready to play? <laughs> and uh, I sit there and I said, okay, yeah, fine, I'll give it a go, no worries, if you guys back me, then I'm ready to play. And we, we won the game actually the day after with a clean sheet. <laughs> that's the, that's the Manchester, and that City team won the league, and that's the Aguero, Torre, Dancil. It was a great day, yeah. and uh, after that, I, 
I, I played, uh, I think, about seven or eight weeks with my mask on um, to keep uh, uh, to keep through. Who was that manager at the time? It was Martin O'Neill. It was Martin O'Neill at the time. So you didn't need the cricket helmet then? Uh, <laughs> 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 luckily not. So you obviously you established yourself as number one then at Sunderland, and as I say, it was, it was um, you replaced a, 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 I think he was the most expensive goalkeeper in Britain at the time, Craig Gordon. Yeah, him as a goalkeeper. So, what does that do for you? Does your game? Do you feel your game develop when you you knew you were number one and you were sort of you got more confidence and more sort of yeah. Well, uh, you st- we still you still had to perform and you still had to prove every week in week out because you was a young boy uh, and you had to fight against uh, um, the voice from outside saying, "Oh, he's too young. He's not experienced enough. He's not ready to deal with the Premier League. All that sort of stuff." So you need to stay calm and just try to do your thing uh, in training and in the game. But like I said, I had so much support from uh, the, the managers back there uh, that I was ready to play and, and they gave me the confidence to be playing. So uh, I always, and then also the, fa- the fans were behind me, you know, they always uh, singing my name and, and helping me uh, whenever there was a shit moment. Because I remember we, uh, we, we uh, played West Brom at home and I made a mistake. Uh, we went down uh, and suddenly the fans started uh, singing my name and uh, those kind of things you don't forget uh, in your career and, and, and that helps you go forward. Quite an English thing that isn't it, for, for fans to do that, you, you must have seen it with Liverpool when in bad moments that the fans will, will sort of... Yeah, know. exactly and that's when you need them uh, the most rather than when things are going good like it is now. Uh, it's more in the tough moments where you need somebody to push you forward and give you that push to, to go yeah. Uh, sorry, I was gonna say another thing you'd have to deal with if you if you're playing well particularly is maybe at a club like Sunderland you're gonna get speculation that you're gonna move and you're gonna sort of you're gonna step up another level. Did, did, did that have any impact on you or are you, are you able to block no, out because that that's a, 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 that's a lot easier than for example the pressure of fighting against relegation. Yeah. Uh, that's a lot tougher. Uh, fighting for something positive and battling for something positive push you on and it's a lot easier. Uh, but um, fighting for something negative, knowing that um, there's a lot of things to come with that. For example, a relegation, it's not about yourself, it's about the whole area, it's about the club, it's about the supporters, uh, and that's a lot tougher than fighting for something that is positive. Did you get, did you get to Canio for a uh, period? Was it Canio came in? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, what, was, what was that? Yeah, that was that was lively as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in the same thing, I've always said this. Uh, I had because in Belgium, the team we played for, we had so many managers, yeah. and any manager you, you you played with or, or you played under, um, you learn from every different manager something new, um, and that's that's the best thing about football. Yeah, I've got that image of him sliding on St James's Park and his suit. Yeah, <laughs> he's very really passionate about yeah. it, and the fans loved it. But in the same time. Um, sometimes a bit too much it's not always the best yeah. but the time came to, to move on from Southern you've established yourself as the goalkeeper there um, Liverpool was the next move was there other options perhaps to go elsewhere in Europe or were you well, was from, the Premier at that time it was only from the beginning that Liverpool was the biggest club interested but we had other options yeah. um, but like I said I was in the Premier League and uh, Liverpool is such a big club my dad used to support it when I was younger um, and I was uh, on holiday actually with my wife when my agent called me that everything was done and dusted. Uh, the Kenya called me as well because he was the manager there to yeah. congratulate me. 
uh, with the yeah, 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 it was a, a nice touch. Uh, um, so yeah, um, it was always going to be Liverpool, and I never really doubted that I wanted to go anywhere else. So how exciting a time was that, knowing that Liverpool was the next move? Well, it was so nice, but at the same time, it was probably the most stressful of holiday <laughs> period uh, because you were constantly calling back and forth to agents, uh, um, and uh, well, with the time difference, and that wasn't easy. Uh, we were in Aruba and Curaçao being the business, oh, yeah. okay. um, and uh, but we were sitting on the beach when we actually eventually got the phone call saying that it was uh, it was a done deal. Awesome. Yeah, tough, I'm a tough one then, because I mean, Liverpool had Pepe Reina at the time, and obviously he was a very established goalkeeper at international level. So, did, did you know you were coming as number one, or were you. Did the you same, thing as we, same thing again as at Sunderland. You know, the challenge didn't phase me, you know, I wasn't scared of it. Uh, I always believe in myself, and I always uh, have confidence in my own abilities rather than looking to somebody else. You know, it doesn't matter if you play for. Uh, any big club now, there's going to be competition. Uh, so it doesn't matter if it was uh, that name or that name, because uh, whatever happens, you have to fight your own battle. You have to make sure that you keep uh, at the highest level you yourself can be. Uh, and that's why I say competition is something that you have to see it as a competition against yourself rather than against anyone else. Uh, I mean, the settling in process, I think, um, I always feel as though it's very difficult, you know, certainly when you move club, certainly a big area where you have to move house from Sunderland to Liverpool. Who helped you in that settling in process at Liverpool? Was there anyone particular at the club, a player, um, manager or even family? It's different already because um, I was used to the country, the lifestyle, the Premier League, you know what it's mm -hmm. about. It's not the same as moving from Belgium, local club going to a new country. Um, so that was already easier. You know what you had to look for. Um, my missus was here. Already then. So she come out with Some London's chief executive, did she help out with, with sort of her, her career in terms of. She uh, yeah, we, we found her a job back in the, in the North East yeah. through the club, yeah. but it wasn't something to do with the club. Ah, um, okay. So when she came down to here, we had to find her a new club, and the club helped us with that. And, and obviously, Liverpool, the stature of the club, mm -hmm. uh, and the facilities at Melbourne, uh, with all the liaisons who are there. Make it so much easier to do the little things, and I was already depending on myself so much that I can do my own jobs uh, because uh, um, I don't really need the liaisons that much as, for example, a new young player would, would, would need. Um, so, yeah, it was so much easier to come here rather than the move from Belgium to something. Was it a big surprise that first pre season when you saw the shared size of the club of Liverpool worldwide. Yeah, exactly. I came here the first two weeks, people were saying, oh, you will only, only recognise how big the club is when you go abroad, uh, when you go on tour. And then, when they say that, you say, oh yeah, you, you will be thinking or you will be over-exaggerating. Mm -hmm. uh, but then when you arrive there, then you see what it is and then you feel it and um, you recognise it yourself. That's the moment where you say, oh yeah, this is uh, what you represent at this moment in time. You had, you had Australia, then you had Sydney, uh, yeah, well, the Melbourne, first, sorry. The first, the first year was uh, Asia uh, and, uh, and Australia. Yeah, so you had, I think it was 80,000 people in the MCG singing, you'll never walk alone, I, I remember that. From well, the first, uh, well, when we landed uh, in, um, what was the country? Uh, we landed and it was like 12,000 people at the airfield, so, you know what it <laughs> was. Yeah, passion. Does that make you feel proud? 
Yeah, and uh, it shows what you're representing, uh, how big a club is you're representing, and, uh, and what you're playing for. Um, yeah, and yeah, that gives you uh, a lot of power and uh, to to make sure that you give yourself every time and every day 100%, and you see how precious it is and what kind of position you are. Did that help you settle in, ready for the Premier League season at Liverpool, knowing that you'd experienced a pre-season? seeing the fans globally, how, how big it is as a football club, and then you, you're ready for that new challenge. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it was always going to be a big new challenge, uh, going to a big club, uh, fighting for uh, titles and, 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 and trophies. Uh, so that's why you come to Liverpool mm -hmm. for. But if you don't see the fan bases over there worldwide, that's an eye open. Dream debut, I was going to say. Dream debut against <laughs> We win the game, clean sheet, and obviously you save the penalty and the rebound as well. As well. Yeah, exactly. It's one of these pictures you can't really um, subscribe. You can't really uh, invent yourself in a book. Uh, people won't really believe it. So, um, yeah, something if you look back to it, uh, amazing. Um, did like you, you did you prepare for Walters to be taking that penalty? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like so I said, so we a lot of a lot of credit need to go to the analysts for that as well. Not only that penalty, but we saved you now. No, so no, you made the save. They don't make the save. It was Kevin Jones on the follow-up, wasn't it? Yeah, he did what he was. He's on teammate. How do you feel as a goalkeeper facing a penalty? Because as a striker, I'm thinking I've got a free shot at goal here. So, so what's your mindset? Are you thinking, I've got nothing to lose? Well, yeah, I think the, the, not nothing to lose, because you, you get so much information now these days that you're already in a better position than you normally are. Mm -hmm. But down the end, in the end, if the penalty has been taken as well, it's a goal. Is it instinct, or is it your goalkeeper coach saying, he goes right, so you've got to kind of it, go with no, that? No, well, it is instinct in the sense that you know when you have to move, mm -hmm. when you have to go, what kind of position you take. Um, but on the other side, it's a lot of information. Mm -hmm. um, and then it's about power and making sure that you get in the corner quickly enough, especially with the the, um, the pace and power of the shots these days. You've got an impressive penalty record. Saving stats, you've saved 5 of 11 facing the Premier League after saving Walcott's this season in a 4-3 win. Do you know who's record you are now joined by in the Premier League? Um, not really, no. You used to play for Chelsea. Dimitri Karin, you share that record with him. Oh. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> Good knowledge. A little bit of a stat for you. I was going to say, I remember the, the Stoke semi-final last season and John was, he was stood pretty much next to the goal, wasn't he, with you? Um, and he came and celebrated. When you get a penalty, do you... Do you have a look to the goal, to the sideline? Have you got time to do that where you can sort of say, yeah, okay? Because I'm guessing there are occasions where you've prepared for player A to take a penalty, he might have gone off or he doesn't take it, and you've got to think on the hop. Can you, can you have yeah, that? Yeah, well, it depends on obviously who's taking the penalty, and it's very hard at some moments to say, oh, he's going to take it, or when a normal penalty taker is injured and uh, he's not taking it, then. It is a bit of an instinct uh, and, and you have to uh, look and think what you think is best at that time as well. And that comes down to uh, what your feeling is at, uh, at the moment. While we're talking about penalties, I wondered with the new rule change, whether that's changed your mindset as a goalkeeper. When a player's running clean through now in a penalty area, are you more likely to be more, more committed to making that challenge knowing that 
okay, you might concede the penalty, but it's not going to be a red card, whereas in the past it was red card and penalty. Uh, the, the rules have changed and it's better for it because, the, 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 um, the, the, well, if you make a mistake, red card penalty, that's too much. Yeah. So uh, it is definitely better, but therefore it doesn't change your mindset because down in the end you're still thinking about saving the, 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 the shot or the, the ball mm -hmm. and then it comes down to the striker, if he's quicker than you, it will still happen. Someone on the FA is in the goalkeeper's union by the sounds of it. No change. I think it's a fair one. If you talk about players, I mean, you've seen, you've mentioned a few players that you play with at, at Sunderland there, good, good Premier League players, good careers, and then you've got Luis Suarez, and you've got Steven Gerrard, you've got Daniel Sturridge, Coutinho. That another step up for you in terms yeah, of training them? On a daily basis, you learn the most of them. Um, when Stevie was here, uh, we practiced penalties. Now, James is a really good penalty taker as well. Yeah, of course. So you learn a lot from that. But striking, shoots, uh, finishing after any session um, against those names you just mentioned there. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but you only get better from it. And it's not only with Liverpool, with the national team. It's, uh, yeah. At the moment, in time in Belgium, it's, 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 it's great as well. But the changing room dynamic as well, the fact that you've come from Sunderland, decent Premier League players, to now massive Premier yeah, League. Yeah, I, I remember me arriving um, uh, in, in Melbourne for the first day uh, and Steve was sitting there. Uh, I'm always early um, in any changing room anyway, and like now, 99% of the time I'm the first one in. Mm -hmm. um, but then it was Stevie and Louis actually who were in the change. <laughs> <laughs> so I arrived there as a new boy with them two uh, sitting opposite of me uh, and then you start thinking. Uh, but then, when you start speaking to them, they're down to earth and they're just the same human beings as you've been playing with mm -hmm. your whole life. Uh, and that's what you appreciate, uh, well, you appreciate the most. Uh, people look up to them and if you don't know them, obviously. But if you don't start being with them on a daily basis, they're still human beings and normal people just like, you know, like you and me. Are you getting bombarded more from Sunderland for ticket requests, for signed shirts, to now at Liverpool, all of a sudden people coming from everywhere wanting to sign shirts, wanting tickets for this game, that game, you find that? Yeah, it's only uh, comes with it, uh, but in the end uh, it's, it's about the family and friends who come over from Belgium who, who, who are asking for this and, and then you're always more than happy to help out. Yeah. Uh, that, that Stoke game that you mentioned, that I, was, I was at that game and I remember the celebrations when you saved that penalty, it was like, it was like a goal, it was, it was, you know, everyone was twirling the scarves over their head singing and things like that, it felt like a big moment, even though it was the first game of the season. And it proved to be a big season. You know, mm -hmm. did, could you feel that when you signed Liverpool? When you know you, you've been on the pre-season, could you think I think we could challenge? Uh, we could well, challenge it, was my it was my first year, so it's difficult to say that at that time. Um, um, you um, you only feel that going into the season how it develops, uh, and the more and the longer you you are up top. Uh, we we won the first three games for the international break with one nil. Uh, and then you, after that you came back and you feel the momentum is there and the team is playing well. No, uh, well, I didn't know that because it was the first time I actually played in Europe, but we had no European games, yeah. no midweek games, that helped, so, that helped so much to make sure that you could prepare yourself uh, every week, just like Leicester did last year. Um, so yeah, we, we had a good team. And what now, well, because it was the first time it was different to say, but now it's the second time and you feel the same, same. and you feel uh, the fact that you've got uh, play 
ways you can make a difference uh, and you can um, prepare yourself in a proper way every week for the game you every time you're at the um, at kickoff you feel fresh mm, yeah. and that makes a big difference uh, i just wondered about the mindset of a goalkeeper as a center forward i'm going onto the pitch thinking i want to score a goal that's sort of my job that's how i'm getting judged at the end of the season when you get a clean sheet, is that your similar sort of buzz? Not really about a clean sheet, because a clean sheet you, can, you, you don't do individually. You do that as a team. Mm-hmm. It's more when you make a save, when you know you've helped the team out. A key, key moment in the game. People will, won't recognise it as much. Um, like the Stoke one is obvious. Yeah. But there are moments where um, you know you've made a save. And even when you don't even win 5-1 afterwards, you know it was very important. For example, the one against Leicester this year at yeah. home, uh, it was 3-1 and Jamie Vardy oh, was 1-1 with me. Yeah. Um, it wasn't uh, the biggest of save I've probably made in my career, but um, I did the right things at the right moment. Uh, I stopped uh, the 3-2 going in and I stopped the fact that they, after that, would have thrown everything at us Momentum. to get the 3-3 on the board. We won the game 4-1 in the end. Nobody was mentioned after it. But mm-hmm. you then feel, oh, I've been important for the team. That, that 13, 14 season, obviously, is the one that a lot of Liverpool fans of this age will talk about mm-hmm. for now. Um, was there a moment during that season where you, you thought, yeah, we, we, can, we, can, we can win this? Because everything's every geared towards top four, seems to be in the Premier League. City at home, Norwich away, oh, that sort I of thing. I think of Tottenham. I think Tottenham away when, when you went, went to White Hart Lane, it was 5 0. That was when I thought. Yeah, yeah. You don't really think in that kind of way um, as a player or as a team, especially me, not at that time, because I was never been in that situation. Um, and you can only speak out of experience. Um, probably other players will look at it differently when they've been in the same situation, knowing what can happen. For us, it was all new, all new, and that's maybe something why it didn't happen, because yeah. we were such a young team, uh, and never really had the experience of uh, winning, uh, winning the Premier League. I mean, I know it's a, it's, a, it's a bad memory to talk about, how that season ended, but can you, can you just give us an insight into, did, did you feel that was a, that was a the big chance gone, or did you feel there'd be another one coming along? And same again. Um, you can't really say that or judge that because you've never been again in the same position. Um, maybe after this year, with the chance we've got this year, you can speak about it differently and then you can see how it develops and uh, how far you can go. Yeah. Um, if we talk about, talk about saves and talk about big, big moments in games, can you, can you single out any, any saves that you've made? At Liverpool, in terms of in terms of that, that you you other than the Vardy one that we just talked about, the Stoke one, that you thought that was when I sort of I, I made a big contribution to that. that um, I remember one game uh, last year or two years ago away Crystal Palace as well, um, where um, I was on the bench uh, just a bit before that, and it wasn't a good moment. And it was a, a good game away from home, and it was a um, cold, uh, windy, and wet. Uh, evening away at Crystal Palace. Palace. I think it was the yeah. actual one. And, uh, um, yeah, I felt that uh, I was in a good moment. So, yeah, there are a lot of other moments, but sometimes it, it are the games or the, uh, the moments where you're not really that busy, but you make one save, and then in the end you know you've, you've helped the team. Is that something that specific to Liverpool, that? Because 
I imagine at Sunderland you're in a relegation battle at the time, you were quite busy, you'd make five, six, seven saves in a game. At Liverpool you maybe you'd be standing there for 80, 85 minutes and then all of a sudden you'd have yeah, to exactly. go. Um, it's more about, with Liverpool it's more about moments, and with Sunderland it was more about making sure you, you stayed in the game the long, the long you could. Move on to, to Belgium then, if you can. Obviously, you you talked about um, players growing up, and Belgium's had a couple of decent sides, but I don't think it's ever had a, a group of players perhaps like this one. Can you can anyone put the finger on why Belgium's got so many? What I, what I what I think, and I've always responded in the same way to this uh, question, is that um, I was one of the first Belgian players actually to come to England. I think Flaney was the, uh, was there. Vincent and Thomas Vermaelen in Arsenal, and then it was the fourth to come over. And when we were younger, uh, because of the financial situation of all the clubs in Belgium, they had to give the chances to many young players to play um, at a very early age uh, with the first team. And because of the players like Vermaelen, Fellaini and company, what big names now, showed England, English football and clubs that English footballers coming from Belgian competition in Belgian league are more than capable of challenging in the Premier League and playing at a good level. They gave a lot more chances to other Belgian players to come over. Now it's about 15 players, 15, 16 players Invasion. who are in the Premier League coming from local clubs back in Belgium for not big money. And if you can play uh, at a big club, um, in big games on a weekly basis, then it's a lot more easy to play in, at an international good level. And that's why we now have such a big talented squad, because all the players in Belgium, well, playing for Belgium, are playing for big clubs all over Europe. And if you have that throughout the whole squad, then um, yeah, you, you're so, so much stronger. Whilst the talent was there back in the day, the English clubs, wouldn't really give the chance to these kind of players to come over. So is there a belief that Belgium can sustain this quality of squad? Well, if you see now the, 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 the other 21s and the younger squads, how many players are already playing abroad? Um, the education uh, they will get with those clubs mm -hmm. is so much better than what they would get in Belgium. Uh, it says a lot that was it maybe disappointment in the summer with the Euros. I mean, you went and got to the quarterfinals and a lot of people thought Belgium could, could certainly have gone and won it, especially when you look at Portugal maybe winning it. That's yeah, exactly. It was, a big, it was a big chance and we were disappointed with the fact that we went out as early as the quarterfinals, simply because we were drawn at the good end of the table. Yeah. If we would have gone past uh, Wales, we would have had a good chance going into the into the final. Obviously the final then a different uh, question, but it, it was an opportunity that we didn't draft. It's also, it must be good for you that you're at a certain level with your club every day and then you go away with the national team and it's not there's no drop off in quality really you're, you're with Hazard you're with the oh absolutely you know, it's, it's brilliant to play with these guys uh, we've been uh, last week for example to train with them um, everybody is very professional as well um, we've only changed the uh, setup now we moved into some sort of St George's Park right, okay. uh, with a new uh, setup in Belgium uh, where the hotel and the pitches and the gym and all that sort of stuff is, is top-end, uh, very professionally. And, and that's what you need when you've got a squad like this, uh, to maintain, like you say, the level of training and, uh, and fitness. When you're away with the national team Belgium, 
Are you talking about life in your league, the Premier League? Because so many players are with the national team there. Yeah, exactly. We, we, we constantly speak on uh, how things are happening differently in the different clubs. Um, like Kevin, what's happening, and, and this is what's happening at Man City, the boy from Tottenham. Uh, then me, D Rock at Liverpool, the guys from Chelsea, got Michi, uh, Timo, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and, and Eden. So, uh, yeah, it's all the top clubs in, in, in England. You've got plenty at Man United. So you know what's happening in yeah. those dressing rooms as well, at the same time. Is there anyone to look out for in the coming through the ranks of Belgium then that you, you've seen at under 21 level or youth level? Uh, well, we, are, we still have a young squad. Yeah. People tend to forget that Divock is that young, even Romelu Lukaku is yeah. still uh, at a young age. Uh, and that's the good thing, you know, if we can still stay together with this kind of squad. Then uh, going in uh, for the future, we don't really have to be scared. The Thierry Henry there as well now, so yeah. <laughs> not, not, not bad in training as well. I'm guessing he's joining in and, and, and testing. Yeah, exactly. For, for the strikers, it's uh, great, obviously, to, to, to have somebody like him um, giving uh, instructions. And for the keepers as well, because uh, you learn a lot more from, from strikers sometimes than from other goals. Just a few questions to finish at the end, if you don't mind, Simon. Question that I quite enjoy asking. What ground do you enjoy visiting the most? Well, playing in England um, with the tradition, uh, I like old school grounds where the fans are really close mm-hmm. um, to the pitch uh, and when you still feel um, the atmosphere the best. So, for example, uh, an old school ground like Crystal Palace away. Uh, where the fans are, uh, are singing constantly, good atmosphere. I remember West Ham, now they've moved on to a mm. new stadium, but last year. So yeah, old school grounds like that, uh, I like the most. What about in terms of best player you've ever played with? Yeah, that must be Louis, um, especially as a striker, facing him on a daily basis. And you learn so much from, from it, and you see now what he's, what he's doing at Barcelona. Uh, he's got every attribute you need as a striker. What about played against when you're in that dressing room and you see the opposition team? Is there a name that's ever stood out thinking? I played against Ronaldo. Uh, I haven't pl- well, we played in Belgium against Messi, but uh, he wasn't playing. In the t- well, I wasn't playing at the time. Um, so, yeah, against Real Madrid, I played against Ronaldo. And there was one strike or shot at home in Anfield, um, and it was so quick. It was only straight at me, I could punch it, but uh, I felt my fists after that. So. <laughs> <laughs> the number 22? What's the reason behind that? Uh, it was the, the number that was free uh, back at my old club uh, when I started. I always I, I liked the side of it, but also um, UC Jaskalani was one of my uh, goalies where I looked up to when I was younger. Uh, always uh, wore the number. Um, it's not a superstition now, but it's something that is part of me and became part of me. Don't even want a number one, for example, as any mm-hmm. other goalkeeper would do. Uh, I think number 22 is some sort of my number one, if, if I can say it. I feel comfortable with it and uh, I wouldn't like to change it. Mm-hmm. Now you put that to your coffee shop as well. That's a, yeah, exactly. I've put a bit of marketing into that as well and, and the coffee shop is, 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 is called 22 as well. I wonder throughout your time as a player growing up even now, has there ever been a player who's been very vocal at half-time? The manager will speak and the, and the assistant whichever coach has it ever been a player where you've been noticeably with, with Belgium it's Vinnie okay. uh, very much so company yeah. uh, 
he's always uh, he's always there to to speak up uh, the move. Future manager then, yeah, Vincent Company. I don't know, uh, might be, uh, but uh, I don't know if he, if he wants to be a manager later on. I'm just kidding. Just to finish with, to make it, it's very difficult. You know, you've had your own tough experience at 15 being released, but you bounced back and made it as a professional footballer. How grateful are you to be in the position that you are now? Yeah, uh, massively. Um, when I was younger, you always want to be a professional football player and you always look up to players uh, doing that. And then if you have the chance um, to come to a big club, like for example Liverpool, and if you see and you go abroad to Asia, uh, America, Australia, and you see how the fans support you and are behind you, um, yeah, you have to touch wood every day and be precious that you can uh, have the chance of doing that. What advice would you give to any young player wanting to fulfil that dream of becoming a professional football player? First of all, uh, enjoy playing football every day. Um, because if you stop enjoying it, you won't get good at it. And secondly, in everything, not only football, but everything in life, uh, what you do, try to do it at the best level you can do personally. Um, and if you then do it at the best level you can, um, you can't blame yourself at the long term, any moment. Um, being uh, resilient and um, doing everything at uh, 100% will, with no, without any excuses. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you can't blame yourself in the end. That's, uh, that's fantastic. That's I'm advice, yeah. more than happy with that. Brilliant. And uh, Sam, I know you've got training this afternoon. <laughs> you've got uh, in, in the, the lovely English weather. You've got to get your gloves on. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll thank you very much for your time. Yeah, we'll thank you. Cap on and, and we wish you and the lads all the best because it looks like it's going to be a pretty exciting season for, the, for Liverpool and yourselves. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much. Great stuff, Sam. That's absolutely yeah, perfect. Yeah, it's a time. Thank yeah. you.